Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Be not afraid because this is what we are about. We plant seeds that will one day grow. We hold hope for each other when hope is hard to find. We are prophets of a future, not our own. So say with me, let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That is how the light gets in. I'm so drawn to actually not be up in the pulpit these days, this year. I think it actually has a lot to do with um, not wanting to be in front of you and separate from you, but actually a part of you and with you. Because that's how my ministry feels. time of my life, um, our kids are getting older, and one of the features of that, for those of you that have children who are getting older, is that we have to do college visits. <laughs> and Emerson's only a sophomore, but that's what he wants to do. So a few weeks ago, we were out in Worcester and uh, checking out one of the schools there. And my, um, my words this morning come from that experience, because pulling up uh, on the road in the traffic light, we're about to take a right turn and a car pulls up to our left, and there's about five people. It's a, like a Toyota Corolla, and there's about five people in the car, all of whom have brown skin, and there's a woman in the back seat with a hijab covering her head. Now, so very often I noticed that I wouldn't have normally paid attention to her but as we waited for the traffic lights to, to turn, I started to think about her. So my words this morning are to her. You are, I want to say to her, one of 1.6 billion Muslims in the world, 3.3 million of whom live in the United States. And I was looking at her, I wanted to know did she come from another country? One of the seven countries that were on the banned list. Let me see, Syria, Libya, Iran, Iraq, Yemen, or Somalia? Did she see the story, I think it was early February, that said that 13,000 Syrians had been killed in Iraq, in the prisons there over the last five years? giving rise to all those thousands of people fleeing. Did you see that story? And then I was, as I was watching her, waiting for the light to change, I started to wonder, you know, Nathan, why are you assuming that she's from somewhere else? Maybe, Nathan, that she's been here longer than your people have been here. I, I think I'm the fifth generation American in my family from Germany. Why do I make that assumption? And then I wanted to know what it's been like for her to wear that hijab, which I had to look up because I didn't really know enough about it, this covering that's meant to convey privacy and modesty and also meant to express the veil between human beings and God. That's what it means. And I wondered what it's been like for her these last many, gosh, months when our now president has said that people like her do not belong here. It's been like for her to live her faith. Because I don't even have 
a chalice anywhere in my body showing me that I'm a Unitarian Universalist. What's it been like for her to show up to buy a soda, to go out to lunch? And then I needed to tell her in my imagined conversation that um, the first time that I learned about Islam was, was in high school. A Catholic kid in University City, which we heard about in the news this week. And I went with my, I was after the religion award <laughs> in high school. Yes, I was that cool. What did you get, Dad? I got the Religion Award. Okay. <laughs> and the way that one could get the Religion Award at my Catholic boys' uh, prep school was to take as many religion classes as possible. <laughs> and one of those classes was the World Religions class. Mr. Otten, the teacher, the wonderful teacher who had been in seminary to become a Catholic priest but decided that he wanted a family instead. Mr. Otten, who took us, I remember, it was a, gosh, probably a Thursday or something to, um, or maybe obviously it was a Friday, um, to the uh, St. Louis County Mosque. Huh. I've ridden my bike past that many times. Is that what that place is? Never gone inside. Because the way that I grew up in my tradition, that church, that tradition was the only way to God. Yeah? That's what I learned back then, that Jesus was the way, as you read about in John, the way, the truth, the light. And kind of like just didn't consider anybody else. But I walk into that mosque and you see these hundreds of people praying on the prayer rug. For the first time in my life, it dawned on me, was I like 15 or 16 years old, that people connect to the holy, connect to a lot, connect to God in a way that would be different than me. It's kind of an astonishing discovery. I also learned there, of course, that uh, Islam has a shared history with a tradition that I grew up. Of course, Abraham, father of Isaac. We've all maybe heard the story about Isaac and his son. Well, Abraham was also the great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of Muhammad, which is why we say that we belong to Abrahamic faith traditions, that we are all part, in other words, of the same family. They are our siblings. Again, I didn't learn that until I was 16. I never had the benefit to take nothing away from my tradition growing up of, um, of a minister or a priest getting up front and telling me what the five pillars of faith were. If you prize this church for one thing, have it be that. That here we know that God is the light, as the choir is saying, and there are many ways and many windows that reveal that light. So after high school, you know, I didn't really think about Islam again. Can I be honest with you? I didn't think about it again, really, even through seminary. I didn't think about it again until I was driving on the pike to go to my first day of work, if you will, at my internship at First Parish in Lincoln. It was a Tuesday. It was September 11th. It was nine in the morning. 
and I'm not exactly where I was. The tolls are the, the tolls are down now, but I was right in that toll in the Western tolls. You know, you remember that? And I put. I think then you had to put your money in. <laughs> and I heard over the the NPR that something had happened. And later on that morning, I called my wife, Karen, and said, you have to watch the news. And all of us at the church staff, who I didn't even know yet, were watching all of this unfold. And it was then that I heard that maybe these people were um, Islamic terrorists, and they, had, they were saying, God is great, the profession of faith that Heather pointed us to with the Quran. And even subconsciously, for all of my education, for all of my desire to be a uh, better person than I am, I know instinctively that I conflated an entire religion, 1.6 billion of whom are practitioners, with that act. Why did I do that? I want to say to the woman. Because I always tell you that I will never apologize. I'm tired of apologizing for other people's religions and other people's churches. So I won't apologize to you. And I'm always tired of the ways that um, Christianity in particular and Unitarian Universalism in particular get um, a bad rap based on one person's practice. I say that to you, and yet here I am doing the very same thing that drives me crazy. Why do I do that? I'm reminded in my fears of that C.S. Lewis quote that I offered you earlier this year that said that hatred is often the compensation by which a frightened person reimburses themselves for the miseries of fear. The more we fear, the more we hate. I think about that as I think about the ways and the, the judgments that I made in my dreams, late at night even, about this whole tradition, these pillars of faith that I knew nothing about. This year, I have been eager to learn more about you, I wanna say to the woman in the hijab. And I'm sorry that it has taken the rhetoric in our world to make me pay attention. And I bet that when I say I'm sorry that I'm apologizing on behalf of many of you too. So this year I read, I pulled out this book that I got in seminary that um, is not as cracked open as it should be. <laughs> Houston Smith, World Religions, he only died this year. It's a fantastic book. I encourage each of you to read it. And I looked at that. And then I invited Shaheen Akhtar from the um, Islamic Center in Wayland to our community center in the fall to learn more about Islam. There was like 60, 70 people there. If you were there, you might remember. There was a woman who came with her whole family who lives here in Sherburne and said, I just want you to know that we are among you. Thank you for having this opportunity to learn more about my faith tradition and that we are not the other, she said. 
And I studied up on the five pillars, the profession of faith, no God but God, and Muhammad is his messenger, and how you pray five times a day, and how you give alms to the poor, and you do not eat during the daylight, during Ramadan, and you make a pilgrimage to Mecca, the birthplace of Muhammad, and how the word Islam means surrender, to give up, to give over. And I learned about Aisha, who's the wife of Muhammad, who during her life made sure that women could choose their husband and banned the practice of arranged marriages. And I learned that she was a great scholar and that thousands of people would wait to hear her speak. I am impressed by, I want to say to this woman, by your devotion. What do I do? I go for walks with my dog and I call it my spiritual practice. You pray five times a day. <laughs> it's something to admire someone in a faith tradition that maybe at one time I was ignorant of and maybe even fearful about. But I'm sorry that it has taken me this year and all this rhetoric to pay more attention. Maybe you heard this just Friday that Muhammad Ali's son was held at the airport and said, are you a Muslim, he was asked. And his answer, I am a citizen. And by the way, I'm also Muhammad Ali's son. <laughs> now what are you going to say? Friends, we saw the tears and the fears in the airports as the ban went out earlier this month, didn't we? And we heard about the notes being dropped off at the Islamic Center in Wayland right after the election. We heard about that, and many of you went after church right at 11.30 and drove over there to have the, the protests and the, and the stance of solidarity. And maybe you heard about the, the guy on the radio that I listened to on NPR who said, you know, it's time for the people to take their towels off their heads because we are a Christian country, he said. Forgetting, of course, that we are a country not of Jesus. We are a country of freedom of religion. We think that the experience of um, xenophobia it happens to other people. And then I'm reminded, of course, that my dad just told me just the other day when he went to the camp, summer camp that I grew, went to as well, that the first time he went there in the 60s, he saw a KKK, uh, you know, march or something like that. And the people like me, being Catholic people, were one of the people that they pronounced hate against, including blacks and Jews as well. And then we heard this week about this cemetery, not three blocks from my house, the Jewish cemetery desecrated. These practices, I want to say to this woman in the hijab, are the same, they're the same thing. They're targeted at different people, but they're the same thing. They are provoked by fear and by hatred. And I want to say to her that in this, we are all caught in the web of life 
together. We are caught, we are suspended, and we are held because what affects you affects me, affects all of us. We're all bound up together. So I'm here on the floor with you to commit to three promises. These promises I offer in love, not eros love, which is romantic love, but agape love, which is love of the soul, which all of us have. These three promises. To practice peace, we have our peace flag. We have Maggie here today to practice peace. And what that looks like is paying attention to my fear and to my ignorance. I invite you to pay attention to your fear and your ignorance and to tell someone besides the reflection in the mirror, you will not be judged. My second promise is to practice salam, which is Arabic for greeting. Now, in order for me to practice that, this means that I can't just read about Islam. I actually have to go talk to someone who is a Muslim, to meet someone face to face. And it's really easy. All you have to do is get in your car and drive right down 27 and go to the Wayland Mosque. Many of our folks have here already. It is um, such a warm and welcoming place. And Shaheen, who's one of the representatives, could not be more open and gracious. And last, my commitment, my promise is to shalom. That is a Hebrew word that means wholeness. And what it means in particular, it's a state of the world where all needs of everyone are satisfied. And when one person is cracked and broken, the other people stand up and stand in to bridge the brokenness with them. We say here that love is the spirit of this church and we covenant to and with each other to practice that love. I invite you to look at the ways that you can reach out to the Islamic community, the immigrant community, the transgender community, and figure out ways that we can make the bridge to wholeness possible in our little light here of Sherburne, Natick, Holliston, Millis, Hopkinton, and Ashland and Framingham.